spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Black woman. Beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? So it was great until, this is going to sound bad, but the week was just trotting along. You know, I'm dealing with a new system and a new office. And so steep learning curve here, right? But that's to be expected. Now, I've been trying to work out, been trying to go to the gym like four days a week. Y'all know I got a trainer. So my trainer is also a massage therapist. Now, she's a legit massage therapist. She used to work for a chiropractor office, and then she worked for a spa. She hated that, and she started her own practice as a masseuse, okay? She comes to you. She has a whole setup. It's legit. So she goes, hey, when do you want a massage? And I said, you know what? I should get a massage. Let's do it on Saturday. So Saturday, she comes. She sets up the table. She sets up the little aromatherapy thing. The little relaxing music is playing. She puts the towels in the little towel warmer. I mean, it is legit, right? She asked me my allergies to make sure I knew she knew what kind of oil to use. She warmed it up. And all of a sudden we started and it was deep tissue, y'all. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I don't really do deep tissue. I like a nice Swedish massage, you know, just a little pressure, relaxing, the kind of massage you go to sleep and they have to wake you up and you got slob hanging down the corner of your mouth. That kind of massage is the kind of massage I would prefer. This kind of massage, y'all, she started with my neck. I mean, in every muscle, she was breaking up in my neck, y'all. I mean, every single one of them, every muscle to the point where I'm like, okay, that's too deep, too deep. And she's like, yeah, but you need to take this because, you know, you have some muscles that are just so tense. I need to work these out, these knots out. Listen, leave my knots alone. When I got through with this massage, y'all, which was a 90 minute massage, I was in more pain than ever. My back still hurts from the massage and I felt really dizzy. And I said, am I supposed to feel this dizzy? And she's like, yeah, you know, you got to drink a lot of water after you get a massage. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've had massages before, but I didn't know I had to feel this dizzy. Then the rest of the day went on and I felt dizzier and dizzier. Then I felt lightheaded. Then I felt like I had to vomit. Then I had to take medicines to prevent me from vomiting. Then I vomited. Then today I woke up and y'all know we record on Sundays usually, but I woke up still nauseated, still had to take some more medicine, laid in the bed most of the day. Y'all, I'm recording with a bonnet on because I feel like a broke down chick. Okay. I 
and broke down. And I will not, I repeat, will not be getting another massage from her again or anything deep tissue. Like it's not supposed to like, oh, the release of all those toxins. You are not supposed to be out for like two days after your massage. I'm sorry, but it's, I'm, I'm telling you, it wore me out. And I need a heating pad just for my upper back, lower neck area right now. And y'all, I feel horrible. Horrible. Other than that, the rest of the week was actually doing okay. Good Lord, Nicole. Like you went to get a massage and you ended up in pain. Like, I don't understand how that happens. Now I've had deep tissue massages, right? I actually prefer them because I feel like it actually gets the kinks and the like, you know, all the extra out. But I've never had that kind of response from a deep tissue massage ever in life. It was just too much. She claimed, you know, this is not one of these massages you pay for just to get lotion spread all over your body. This is an actual therapeutic massage, you know, to make sure that the tense muscles are relaxed. And so it relaxes all the muscles. Y'all, I'm telling you, she stimulates some type of like nausea center. Something happened. I, I just have never felt just instantly. And I knew it came from that because I just got dizzier and dizzier and dizzier, then nauseated. You know, it had to come from the massage. Not like I had a fever. It's not like I had any sick contacts. Not like I'm pregnant, you know, Mm-mm. never again. So, so let me understand this. So this was one of those kind of massages like that they give you after you have surgery. Like I'm confused as to why you would be getting such a deep tissue massage that you felt sick. You know, she's used to working on sports injuries and stuff like that. So she says, so she's used to reconditioning muscles, but if I'm injured, I don't want you on my muscles. Listen, it is not supposed to cause that much pain. And, you know, now that you say that, I mean, I guess that would feel more so like a lymphatic drainage massage. But I, even that, I just don't think anybody would be all in your neck like that. Like at one point I was like, is she trying to occlude my carotid and kill me? Like, what is she doing over there? It was just too much. Hold on, Nicole, the, the how I hollered just now and my mic was off, thank God, because no one would have heard a thing that you just said. But how I hollered right now, you should have seen the look on your face when you were like, is she trying to occlude my carotid and kill me? Nicole, the look on your face was like that of utmost concern. Did you tell her while it was happening, like this hurts, like it doesn't feel right? Or did you just kind of go yes. along with it? Uh, yes, I told her. I said, Kim, oh, that's too deep. Oh, that's hurting. And, you know, usually if I have a massage and the person's a little too deep, I sort of wait, you know, like, let me see if it gets better. Like maybe they just hit like a, a you know, a tender spot of some sort. But I had to tell her because she was just deep, deep. Is this enough pressure? That's well, more than enough. Is it too much? Too much pressure, Kim. I mean, I literally would say too much pressure. You know, I said, oh, my God, this is so deep. Can we go lighter? Well, you know, you need to be worked out a little more is what she said. What? Mm-mm. Well, Janine, how was your week? Hopefully better than mine. Tell me you didn't get a massage that broke you down. <laughs> I did not get a massage that broke me down. And my week was, it was very busy, but very like eventful and productive. Like, you know how sometimes you feel like you're just having one meeting after the other after the other and they don't really amount to anything? Well, I had a lot of meetings this week. On Wednesday, I had six meetings before 11 a.m. So I will say this. I've had a very busy week. It's been very productive. And, you know, I'm very optimistic. But some really cool things happened this week. So one, randomly. So for you all that don't know me, I am an 80s baby. I think you all have put two and two together. Well, today, Nicole, right before 
we started recording for this podcast, I found one of my favorite childhood shows on the TV and it's Elf. Like, if y'all don't remember Elf, go watch a couple episodes of Elf. Y'all go find Elf. Go do yourself a favor and find Elf. On a side note, this week, one of Ken's longtime friends, which subsequently, because he's Ken's friend, he's my friend too, came into town. So we got to spend some time with him and his girlfriend and they went to church with us this morning. So we had a great time. But Nicole, the struggle of trying to explain to somebody (laughs) the concept of Church of God in Christ is a struggle. Now, I can tell you the doctrine and what they believe in, but trying to explain to you how there's a local church, then there's a a jurisdiction, and then there's a national church, it was just a lot. And the best way that I had to describe it is it's like the McDonald's franchise, right? Like you got your McDonald's on the corner, and then you got a franchisee that has a bunch of McDonald's, and then there's the national McDonald's. That's kind of how I see it. Y'all who are Kojic, don't you come for me today. Today is not it. I don't know how to describe this thing that y'all done created. All I know is the belief, the doctrine. I I know that much, but it was a struggle. It was a struggle. But Johnny, yeah. why were you having to explain this? I'm confused. Because like- Ken's friend asked me, he was like, so wait, how does this, like, is this a church that you grew up in? And I was like, no, this isn't the church that I grew up in, but I started going to this church when I was like 16. And then I left and then moved to Philadelphia. Then I came back. Well, I moved to New Orleans first, Avi. And then I went to Bishop Morton's church when I was in New Orleans. I think we all did at some point. And then came back, went to Philadelphia. And then in Philadelphia, I still went to a Kojic church, but it was not this Kojic church. And he was like, wait, how are they all related? And it's hard to explain that to people. Like, wait, there's a Kojic church in Philadelphia. And then there's, I was like, there's a lot of Kojic churches in Philadelphia. It was a lot, y'all. It was a lot. And for those who are Kojic, y'all understand it or are Kojic adjacent like Nicole. Y'all understand it. But for people who are not Kojic or Kojic adjacent, it's a little bit of a difficult concept to understand. They're like, oh, so it's it's like the different denominations of Baptists. I'm like, kind of, but there are no different denominations. It was a lot to explain. Well, I'm glad you know enough to explain because some of us just be looking like, oh, no, I just go and praise the Lord. That's all I need is to praise the Lord. So now that uh, Janine has preached to y'all, how, how y'all feeling this week? Are you blessed? <laughs> Are you blessed beyond measure? How was your week? How was our listeners week? I hope it was good. We just want you to know you can always keep in contact with us. You can email us. Our email is in every one of our bios. If you follow us on social media, it's in every one of our bios. But just in case you don't, it's oh, that's deep, BWC at gmail.com. You can log onto our website. It's in our bio. You can leave us a message. Click. You can do all the things. Follow us. Rate us. Review us. Write a review, y'all. That's really, really important to podcasts. If you write a review, then more people see us. Share us with your friends. If you like one conversation that we've had, just one. Share that conversation with your friends. Maybe you'll like another one. Listen to another one. Do all of that. But most importantly, we want you to join the conversation. That's the important part. We can't do this without you. Like literally, there's a portion of the podcast that requires that you participate. If you all don't participate, we don't have nothing to talk about. So make sure y'all y'all stay here with us. Stay here with us. Do, do this thing with us because we're here with you. All right, Jenny. So what's in our timeline this week? Okay, Nicole. So adulting, 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 but not just adulting, adulting and having friends as adulting, all of that thing, all of those things that surround adulting and friendships. That's what's on our timeline. So Nicole, we all know that adulting is hard. You have to work, you got to pay bills, you got family, you got responsibilities, you got a bunch of things that you didn't have when you were a child and all you had to do was make sure that you got good grades. So as an adult, 
you're fortunate if you still have like hopes and dreams and things that you're aspiring for and working towards. But some people are just kind of getting by, right? Like navigating life is just difficult and figuring out who you are while navigating life and dealing with life's challenges. It's a lot. And what we're going to talk about today, like I said, is trying to figure out who you're going to do this life navigation with. And I'm not talking about our life partner. I'm not talking about your spouse, your significant other. That's not who we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about our friends, our tribe, the people who we call friends, the ones that we expect to be there to support us and the ones that we are willing to be there to support as well. So today's conversation is about friendship. So this friendship thing has been, you know, on our timeline and really a topic in like real life, like some things that we've really had heavy in our lives as well as heavy on our timeline. So that's why we decided to talk about it. I was talking to my best friend and we were talking about how it never ceases to amaze us about who kind of reaches out and like people who just kind of don't reach out. And then the purpose that people reach out and some of the people who don't reach out and the reasoning behind them not reaching out. And we were making note that we have, you know, we were concerned about one of our friends in particular. And we were concerned about this particular friend because she's had a rough couple of years between like illness and tragedy and like, you know, loss of job and a, a ton of things just happened in her life. And we're always just amazed at the fact that she never will ask for a thing. She will just like hunker down and get everything done. Now, you know, in this life that we live in, we kind of like take pride in being this strong black woman, but we all have had this conversation and we've had it on this podcast that that ain't what it's hitting for anymore. Like at some point you have to realize that you came into this world by yourself. Some people came with a twin or a triplet or however, but oftentimes you can't navigate this world or there are not many spaces in this world that you can navigate alone. Not successfully, I'll say. So we were kind of just chatting about this one particular friend. She's the person that always will go out of her way to help others. But when she goes through hard times, she just kind of like, you know, we know because we don't hear from her, right? And she won't ask for help. She will still check on you, but you just don't hear from her as much. And when we ask her if she needs anything, she'll say no. So she's one of the kind of friends that we know that we just kind of have to observe and figure out what it is that she needs. You know, she is the kind of person where she, if she has something or she, you know, just feels something like laid on her spirit, she'll call you. If she has an opportunity, she'll give it to you. All of the things that, you know, you really appreciate in a friend, but she has never, not to my knowledge, and, you know, I didn't call my best friend when we were talking about this, not to my knowledge, has she ever actually reached out to ask for help. But I will say this, she does graciously accept help when you just give it to her without asking. You're just like, hey, hey, just something I'd like to do for you. But she's, she'll never ask. So when my best friend and I were talking about this, she pointed out that she thinks that I'm the same way. Now, Nicole, I'm, I don't see myself in that manner. I'm more, and you can speak to this, but I, I'm more the kind of person where I'll just figure it out and we'll just keep it moving, right? Like I'm not going to bug anybody because I feel like everyone has their own life and everyone has their own things that they have to deal with. And I, sh if, if there's something that I can do to help myself, I shouldn't burden other people with my problems and the things that are going on. And then I thought to myself when I was having this conversation with my best friend that she's the same way. And then we kind of came to the conclusion that the majority of our friends 
are super strong, super independent black women. And even the ones who are a little less, um, I don't want to say less strong because that sounds crazy, but like the ones that are a little less independent or vocally independent, I should say, they really don't need or ask for much either. And so we really just sat and talked about how like close we are and how we don't know if we were naturally like this or we kind of came like this because we're a group of friends, like a close group of friends. But we talked about it like we all kind of live in this space where we just know our friends, know what they need, know what they want. And we just have a really tight friend circle. But this kind of, you know, friend group are the kind that like something happens in the middle of the night and you get a phone call, you know, immediately that something is wrong. This is the kind of friend group that we pretty much answer the phone unless we sleep or we get in some we're answering the phone. And if you call back to back in either situation, we're going to answer the phone. We're also the kind of friends that, you know, if we can't help, like if you call for something to call and I couldn't help you and because I'm in Maryland, but you're all the way in Atlanta, I know someone in Atlanta, I'm calling a friend in Atlanta to make sure that whatever it is that you need is taken care of to the best of my ability. If there's anything that we can do, we go above and beyond for one another, right? Because we also know that the rest of the friend group does the same thing for us. So in this conversation I was having with my best friend, she made, she made this comment and it really made me think. And she said, like, we have some really amazing friends, right? But she said, the crazy part is everyone does not have that kind of friend. And the part that really stuck out to me is she said, some people don't even understand the concept of friendship or the love the work and the sacrifice, and most importantly, the understanding that it takes to be a true friend. So that thing kind of set with me, right? Like, yes, there's love. Yes, there's sacrifice. There's a lot. It's like a relationship, right? You go into a relationship and you're like, I would do anything for him. Of course you would because you're in love, right? But the same energy that we give to our relationships, you got to think most times, if we're being honest, friendships outlast, especially nowadays, the majority of our relationships. So the same love, care, and nurturing that you give to your relationships, you should be giving to your friendships. Now, do are they going to look the same? Of course not. Like, y'all be real. But it requires the same understanding, the same work, the same sacrifice. It requires a lot. Now, I have written down some like scripture to explain to y'all what friendships are, but y'all, I'm going to read them to you. I'll post them. Y'all can do the work. Research yourself. I will say this, though. This is how it came to our timeline. My best friend says, you know what? There's a girl that posted this thing, and it was really sad because she was posting how she genuinely felt about, you know, her friends disappointing her, and people were clowning her in the comments. Now, this is where we all know that the internet and our cell phones be listening because I had this conversation with my best friend, and that evening, the the video that my best friend was referring to popped up on my timeline. I didn't search for it, just popped up. And it popped up on Instagram, but it's originally on TikTok and also on Twitter. So the video was from, I believe that her name is Alitza. It's spelled A-L-I-T-Z-A-H, right? And this is the part that broke my heart. So Alitza is a young CEO of a paper company. It's a paper company called Ivory Paper Company. I think they do like stationery and things like that. And she has 200,000 followers on IG. She has 11,000 followers on her um, 
TikTok and she has over 100,000 likes. I mean, this girl is like doing her thing and she's young. She's in her 20s, super young, but she's also a mom. She's a wife and she's, you know, I scrolled her timeline and she's struggled with some health issues. So she's just like the rest of us. She's like you and I, Nicole. We have a lot going on and we're super busy, right? She works hard and she's a TikToker. You all know keeping up with social media is a whole job in and of itself. Not to mention she's a CEO, a mom, and she's struggling with health issues, right? So in the video, it's super simple, but it broke my heart. The video, she's talking and it's just her on the screen. She got a little sweatshirt on and she's talking and she says, I was supposed to have friends over tonight. And there's some writing on the, on the screen that says that she had invited four of her girlfriends over to have drinks, apps, and to have girl talk. Just, you know, that like sisterhood, that connection that she was looking for. And no one showed. So as she holds back tears, she shared that one of her goals this year was for her to start focusing on her adult friendships. And then she starts crying and she says, they've been planning this, you know, night for over a month and, you know, the plans fell through and she understood that plans fall through, but she said it was really frustrating to her because she had to do so much to prioritize this time because she doesn't have a lot of time. And to make this happen, she had to take, you know, make a concerted effort to prioritize her time. So it really frustrated her that the plans fell through. And then she says she doesn't know why she's crying. Now, as she's saying that, I'm almost about to be crying too, because I'm like, that's real. I understand that, right? Like, I understand what it's like when your job is busy and you have other things that are going on and you're, you know, maybe taking care of your parents or helping out with your, you know, siblings or taking care of your kids or who who knows? Life be life in, right? And you take the time to prioritize something and prioritize time for your friends and then no one shows up. That thing hurts. It really hurts. So the first thing, of course, I thought when I saw the video, you know, I'm a little sassy, like, you know, my ego still, God is working on it, y'all. God's working on it. So the first thing I thought was, girl, you need to find you some new friends. But then I asked myself, because, you know, this really hit home for me because this is something that I've been prioritizing this year too, right? Ever since my friend Mel's husband, Ronald, told me, when are you going to stop being busy? He told me that at the end of last year, he was like, when are you going to stop being busy? And that thing hit me. So this was kind of like confirmation, right? So when I thought about it, I really had to say, what did she give up along the way to, as a CEO of a paper company, as a mom, as a wife, what could she have possibly given up? What time, what relationships has she sacrificed to get to where she is? Now, your friends should understand your journey, right? If you have good friends, they should be there to support you in your journey. They should be there to understand, you know, when you don't have time, right? They should be patient. They should be helping you so that you do have more time, you know, and Honestly, what we're looking for in a friendship is understanding, right? So they should be there. But on the backside of that, you have to be mindful that marriages, children's career, family, health, caregiving, et cetera, is a lot. And sometimes friends, unfortunately, fall by the wayside when you're going through this thing that we call life. And it's not because you don't care. It's not because you don't want to have that relationship with them. It's just simply because 
it's only 24 hours in a day. It's only seven days in a week. And it's only 365 days in the year. It's only a certain amount of time that we have. And what we prioritize is what's important and necessary. And sometimes we don't necessarily think that friendships are as important or necessary. No slight to the person. It's just other things take priority. And the communication that you have with your friends is super important, especially when you're asking them to be understanding of the fact that you might not be able to do the same things that you've done in the past and you might not be able to have that same relationship with them that you've had in the past. But on the other hand, it does not give you carte blanche to say, let me put my friends on the back burner and pick them up whenever I'm ready, because that's not how friendship works either. Right. Friendships need to be reciprocal. So as I look deeper into this like concept and this idea, and yes, I was hurt by the, by the comment that she had, not because of her, but just because it hit home for me, right? But as I look deeper into this on social media, I saw a lot of people who were throwing these parties and their friends weren't showing up or they were having these get togethers and they had put in all this work or spent all this money for food and their friends just didn't show up for them. And I was sitting thinking like, what kind of friends do these people have? But then I'm also sitting thinking like, if this is a trend, it means that people are either super terrible people, which I would like to still believe in humanity and not think that that's the case, or people are getting so busy that they're not prioritizing friendship at all. People are always talking about how their friends don't, quote unquote, don't show up for them. My question is how are we, and this is the question to me, talking to myself first, how are we showing up for our friends? Past the parties, past the get-togethers, how are we showing up for them? When their bills are exceeding their money, how are we showing up for them? When they're no longer half of a couple or they've split or gone through a divorce, how are we showing up for them? When they no longer have that title, they're not CEO anymore, or they're not executive VP anymore, how are we showing up for them? When they have those dark nights where they don't know how they're going to get out of bed in the morning and they don't know what, what is pushing them to go on, how are we showing up for them? Are we the friends that are giving our, our friends what they want? Are we the friends that are telling them what they want to hear? Or are we the friends that are giving them the advice that they need to hear? Are we truly being genuine friends? Or do we just like people because of a need that they fulfill in our life? Like, are we holding ourselves accountable for being good friends? Or are we just projecting on the things that our friends are not doing for us? Now, look, this whole concept has stepped all over my toes, right? I'm very big on work, 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 work. Friends will be there, right? Like work hard, play hard. Yeah, you work hard, but then you don't have anybody to play hard with because you've ignored your friends. And this is something that I've had to learn, right? It's a hard lesson because we're just taught to just keep pushing. But like, how are we really showing up for our friends? And on the flip side, we need to also be sure that the people that we are showing up for are the right people. And we're not showing up for the people who don't mean us any good. And we're genuinely showing up for our friends because a lot and by, I'm not going to say a lot of us, I will say Janine has been guilty of feeding into people that mean me no good and kind of putting the good friends to the side, knowing that, you know, they're a good person, they're genuine, and they're always going to be there. 
And I take that for granted sometimes, right? And I'm sure that people have taken for granted the fact that I'm always going to pick up the phone, right? But we need to be cognizant and hold ourselves accountable for the people that we are allowing in our space and the people that we're allowing to call us friends and the people that we are calling friends. The more that we realize and understand the meaning of friendship, I think, and the more that we work on our communication and the, the effort and understand the effort that it takes to be a friend, I believe the fewer friends that we have. And I say it because you'll realize that friendships, at much like relationships, like I said, are hard work. I mean, you have to keep track of your friend. You have to check on your friend. And if you have friends like my friend group, they're not going to tell you when something is wrong with them. You have to know them well enough to know that Nicole's not acting like she was acting yesterday. So something is different for Nicole. Why is Nicole not acting the way? And she's probably not going to tell me. So I got to do some digging. So I got to have the resources to do the digging to figure out what Nicole may need because she's not going to ask for help. So when we actually figure that out and really think this through, we'll have a a small handful of friends because that's what we have time for. But I and I'm again speaking to myself. I think that we should really work really hard to be true, genuine friends. When we have like when we have true, genuine friendship to offer, then we'll have true, genuine friendships that come our way. And friends are so, so precious outside of your relationship with God and your spouse. Friends are the next best thing. I think that a true, genuine friendship is priceless. That's just how. And I feel like it's worth the work because it's priceless. What do you think, Nicole? I mean, I um, I agree with with what you've said. Um, I definitely think that friendships are priceless. Um, I do also think that some friends are there for a season and some are there for a lifetime. I'm, I'm, I, listen, I have gained friends and I've lost them. And I know that sometimes they're not there permanently. Okay. Not uh, your true friends will be, but people that uh, were there um, because they were gaining something from you were not your true friends from jump. Let me touch on specifically the timeline with the girl that, you know, had the party and none of her friends. There were a couple of stories like that. Their friends didn't show up. Some of that may be reading the room, right? Like, are these people, you're having these friendship celebrations and you're renting out venues. Are these people really your friends? Like, were you in conversation with them while you were planning or are you just trying to have something to rekindle a friendship and hoping they come. So for me, I would have tried to read the friendship a little bit closer before I spent my my coins and perhaps tried to connect with them one-on-one because something is wrong when none of your friends show up. Hmm. That's that's somewhat telling because for me, you know those friends that are going to come, right? You might be hoping, well, I hope Ashley comes this time. You know, I haven't talked to her in a really long time, girl. Oh, Janine, you know, let's, let's, what you think? You think Yolanda going to come? You know, you have those other friends that you're talking about, the other friend that you hope comes with, because you still have your close core of friends. And it seems like she didn't even have that. I mean, what, wait, stab wasn't in the pictures even whenever uh, she posted these videos. So something to me screams, Hey, you've been disconnected. You have been, you know, focused on only yourself and not on anybody else. And when you don't pour into people, you can't expect them all of a sudden to start pouring into you. So I need more background to those because if I throw an event, at at least my mama and my sister are going to be there. 
right? Like, I know I can count on them. So there are a few people that you know, they're local, you can count on them. You talk to them, they're going to be there. But you didn't you didn't have an RSVP deadline, girl? Nobody RSVP'd? No? It makes me a little bit like, hmm, what did this person do and who were they trying to rekindle with? I know, I know you try not to go Bible on these people, but Bible says to have friends, you must be friendly, right? Uh, that's Bible. I didn't make that up. If you want to have friends, you have to be friendly. You have to check on people. You have to cultivate those relationships. And it seems to me that this person was trying to rekindle, but I think that she was probably trying to rekindle the wrong way. Janine and I are both very busy professionals. We are busy, but we still take time to at least say, you alive? What's going on? Hey, what you doing? And I don't think that an adult friendship has to be a daily check-in. Because for me, most of my friends, I, I may not talk to for, for weeks. My best friend, Christina, I can go months without talking to her. And we pick back up and we catch each other up like we haven't missed anything, right? We're talking for hours to catch up with each other. And if she has something, I support it. If she has a product, I'm buying it. Like that's just the way um, that we are. Even if we haven't talked for long periods of time, we understand that if there's no beef, there's no drama, we are still besties, okay? And I think that as a, as adults, you almost have to be that way because you have to understand that you could be moving to different cities. You could be moving in your professions differently. You have kids. Don't even throw kids in there. Kids throw a whole new, whole different wrench in friendships because to be friends with somebody who has kids, like Janine is my friend. I have a kid. She does not. Baby, she hears arguing in the background. She hears screaming in the background. And before I had children, I'm like, I don't want to hear all that. I do not want to hear all that. So it takes a special person to stay friends with somebody who has children when you ain't got no kids because it, it is a different level. Like your time is not your time. Your time is your kid's time. And you might think you have time, but you really don't have time because little Timmy wanted to stay up all night. And now the time you thought was yours is no longer yours. So it's it's uh, kids open a different level. I do think that friendships are precious, but I also think that if you have a friend that requires so much of you and you are in a season of your life that you can't give more than you can give, then maybe that friendship was seasonal. I said it. And I know I'm not supposed to be coming on here saying, let your friends go. But real talk, I lost my best friend after I got married. And I have no idea why. Okay. Who was my maid of honor, best friend. A couple months afterwards, we didn't talk. I have no idea why. To this day, I have no idea why this girl doesn't talk to me. And initially I was beating myself up like, why is this person not talking to me? Why is she not answering my phone calls? But after I call you three times, you don't answer. I'm I'm done. I recently lost another friend because she was upset because of a statement that the American Medical Association made in terms of prescribing medicines for COVID patients and saying that pharmacists shouldn't prescribe a certain medicine because they don't do continuity of care. Well, since I'm involved in the AMA, it was my fault. One thing I'm not going to do is take blame for something that's not my fault. And one thing I'm not going to do is apologize for something I don't know that I've done. So for me, those those were seasonal. And I'm not saying I'm like a hard ass or, you know, I don't appreciate friendships. But once I say, hey, can we talk about this? And you're not big enough to talk through it. And I don't know what I've done. I got to move on. You were seasonal, seasonal. And hopefully you can cultivate a relationship that's not seasonal with somebody else. But what I'm not going to do is try to guess 
where I fit in with a friendship. I think that friendships are genuine. You should be able to tell your friend, hey, I didn't like it when you did this. Hey, it hurt my feelings when you did this. Hey, I didn't like that instead of just not talking to a friend. That's a very immature friendship. Likewise, if you feel like because you haven't talked to somebody in two weeks, they're no longer your friend, you're too needy. Okay, some of us are needy. So as adult friends, we need to cultivate these adult relationships and realize that everything is not about you, friend. It's about each other, okay? And and supporting one another, not just one-sided. And I think when you have these one-sided friendships, any little thing happens where you can't provide the same level of support they're used to, then it's, oh, you're not my friend anymore. Oh, I can't talk to you anymore. Oh, uh uh-uh, move on, move on with that. Yes, I went on a soapbox, I know. And if y'all know these friends I'm talking about, go on and tell them to listen to the episode. Go and tell them to subscribe. <laughs> subscribe, download, and listen to the episode. <laughs> so, Janine, are you ready to talk through some of these letters from our listeners? Let's do it. Okay. So the first letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I'm sort of torn because my best friend since college is marrying a guy I dated in high school who is the guy I lost my virginity to. They met on Match.com. She would talk about him all the time, but I didn't initially know it was him because she was calling him Tony and his name was Anthony. She never posted him to social media because she never posts who she's dating. And I didn't see him face to face because she lives in D.C. and I live in Vegas. They dated for about nine months before he proposed. Then we went on our annual girls trip where she showed us their engagement pictures. At first, I thought to myself, it was pretty familiar. But then I was like, nah. But a few months later, she talked about visiting his hometown, which was about 20 minutes from my hometown. Then it dawned on me where I knew him from, high school. His appearance had changed a bit and that he's lost weight and he no longer has dreads. So perhaps that's why I didn't recognize him right away. But her Tony is my Anthony. We're all older now, but I still think it's awkward to be in her wedding when I've had sex with the groom. How do I tell her I lost my virginity to her soon-to-be husband? Should I even tell her? Should I just be quiet and be in the wedding? I don't have many female friends, and I'm afraid I'm going to lose my closest one. Please, ladies, help. Sign, Abra. Oh, good Lord, Abra. I'm going to say this, and we have an episode about this. I believe it was season one about recycling in a friend group, right? I am a firm believer of no recycling in a friend group. Now, I don't. I actually don't mind if someone talks to my ex because whatever, but I will not recycle in a friend group. And I'm telling you this, Abra, because I would want to know if I was marrying someone that one of my very close friends lost their virginity to. You didn't just sleep with this man. You lost your virginity to him. That's kind of important. And also, You probably should have some sort of conversation because what you don't want to have happen is that her fiance, soon to be husband, tells her and now all of a sudden you look like you're being deceitful because you didn't say anything to begin with. Now, Abra, this is how you do it. This is how I'd want. I'm going to just speak from personal experience or personal feelings and just say this is how I want you to tell me. Hey, girl. You know exactly how you just wrote this letter. I know because you don't never post who you are on social media. And, you know, I just found out. But, girl, that's the dude I lost my virginity to. Now, I haven't talked to him in years and he don't look nothing the same. And all the things that you just told us. So downplay it because you don't want to be back with this man. But you have to tell her you cannot be in this woman's wedding and you cannot continue a friendship with this woman with with such a looming secret. 
because it shouldn't be a secret. Just tell her, hey, you know what? Funny coincidence. The man that you're about to marry, that's who I lost my virginity to. Obviously, we're not together because clearly, and I haven't seen him, and I didn't even realize when I first saw him. I just thought, oh, he looked familiar. Downplay it because it seems that it's not a, an important relationship to you. But you cannot not tell her. And yes, you can still be in the wedding. Girl, that was high school. We're not about to be messed up over somebody that we was messing with in high school. For real. Like, unless you were high school sweethearts and the relationship continued on down the line and you were in college and were about to get married and all of a sudden you broke it off. I really don't think it matters. That's me personally. But you know your friend. And if you feel like that's going to be a problem, then maybe you need to figure out another way to tell her. But girl, I don't have it here for you. Nicole, what would you say? Oh, I would say you're about to lose a friend. But either way, you got to tell her, right? Like you can't be, because once y'all see each other in person, it's going to be like, oh, hey, how you been doing? Like he's going to speak, right? Because y'all know each other in high school, right? He's going to speak unless you look completely different. He's going to know who you are and he's going to speak. And then you're going to speak and she's going to know y'all know each other. So I would say, I would say, oh girl, listen, this is really funny and Hey, I do not want him at all. I haven't seen him in 20 years, but I did sleep with him. Like we did sleep together. We used to date in high school. I lost my virginity to him. I would tell her, but you got to be prepared to lose, to lose your friend. I mean, she may respect you for telling her as I would, but it's going to be real awkward for her to have conversations with you about her man because she knows you've had her man. So it's sort of like, I'm not about to be friends with anybody that slept with my man and have like converse. I don't know. I just, I just think it would be an awkward situation. Maybe you guys could stay friends, but for me, it would be like, you know, I know I didn't have the D and he, he's who I lost my virginity to. Ooh, not saying that you remember who you lost your virginity to not saying that you remember how it was, you know, thinking back to the time when I lost my virginity. Yeah. I was a little fast. It was horrible wasn't a good sexual experience so it's not like you're like daydreaming about him right but you still gotta you still gotta tell her you gotta tell her but you know some people would find it awkward she she may say you can still be friends but perhaps you know not not have you in the wedding that that is a possibility or she may say hey you know y'all were kids at that time of course you can be in the wedding thank you for telling me and move on she probably is going to tell her fiance that you're her best friend if he doesn't already know and see how he feels about the situation too, if he feel awkward. But it seems like you haven't spoken with this man in, you know, a, a, a number of years. And it, it's probably, you know, something harmless. I'm just trying to think how I would feel if someone was in my wedding that slept with my fiance. I probably would not. I, I would, Johnny, would you want them in the wedding? I wouldn't want them in the wedding. I wouldn't say I wouldn't be friends with you, but I wouldn't want you in the wedding. Honestly, at that point, I don't know that I care. Let me tell you what I thought while you were talking. My friends and I are so similar that this seems like a coincidence enough that it wouldn't be unnatural, especially since they met online. Like you are, it seems that he's attracted to probably the same kind of like woman, right? Like you and your friends probably are pretty similar, right? And if this man, you know, was attracted to me and my personality and how I was even in high school and then attracted to one of my friends who's my best friend. Like it seems natural to me, but again, I don't think that I care about that kind of stuff as much. Like, especially if it's, if she genuinely, like if Aber really has not talked to this man in years, who, who cares? Like, 
it was high school. They're not about to rekindle from high school. They didn't even stay. In, it wasn't important enough to stay in contact. The friends that this girl probably needs to be more worried about are the other friends that might be trying to figure out, well, both of them had him. So let me see what they see what the hype is about. Look, girl, I'm in your wedding, not in your wedding. I, I, I don't know. Honestly, for me, tell her and let her determine how, what she feels comfortable with. You just got to you just got to tear the bandaid off. All right, Jenny. So um, what is your letter? My letter says, Nicole and Jenny, my husband and I have a dear friend that we love so much. We will call him Mike. He's basically family at this point. He's been there for us through the ups and downs of life. Because of his personal struggle with alcoholism, he can be a bit flaky, causing him to not be as reliable. But when he shows up, he shows up. And he has never once missed anything of importance. For the past few years, he's been going through a rough patch. When the pandemic hit, he lost his job after 20 years. During his unemployment, he moved home with his mother and his alcoholism became progressively worse. So he struggled to find work. After agreeing to go to rehab, my husband got him a job and agreed to let him stay with us until he had enough money to get back on his feet. The problem is Mike weighs 400 plus pounds and he is tearing up my house. We've had to replace the bed and the mattress in the guest room because they collapsed. There is currently a hole in our leather sofa that needs to be repaired because he plopped down on it and ripped it. The love seat where he now frequents is sagging and I'm hoping that it can be resprung and restuffed. I've had to repair two dining room chairs as well. And we're not going to mention the toilet in the guest room that's hanging on by a thread. He admits that his weight is a major issue because it affects him every day. He has severe sleep apnea and he is always tired. But I can say this. He, when he isn't working or sleeping, he is extremely helpful to my husband and I. I'm hesitant to talk to him about this because I'm aware of his deep self-loathing. And as a therapist, I'm aware that I could send him into a downward spiral. I don't want to kick him out because he's doing so well with his sobriety journey. And I don't want to be the cause of his relapse. I don't want to lose Mike or have him hurt himself. But I can't afford to keep replacing and repairing things because he's destroying them. I know this is a lot, but I would really appreciate it if you shared some of your wisdom, even if you don't share it on the podcast. Signed, Jamie. All right, Jamie. So thank you for sharing that. And, you know, you guys seem like very good friends. One, I would say I would not address it with him. Your husband and him had the conversation. I understand your husband spoke with you about agreeing to have him live there. But since your husband and him had the conversation, I would get my husband to talk to him. That's number one. I would not talk to him as the woman. I would let the man of the house handle that. That's number one. Number two, what is the timeline you agreed upon when he moved in? And, and I'm saying that to say, you have to say, hey, you need to crash at our, our house. How long do you need to crash? And if you haven't gotten that, then perhaps that needs to be addressed. If he's been staying there for a, a period of time, your husband needs to circle back around and say, hey, 
listen, how much time did you say you needed again? Okay, well, you don't know. Okay, well, you know, looking at the situation financially, this has been more of a strain for us. So we can give you X amount of time. We can give you two more months, you know, and then I wouldn't have the conversation. I would let the two month period come up and and at that two month period, he has to move out. So whatever timeline you agreed upon, I would stick to that and not extend it. Okay. Even if he doesn't have a place to stay, he can go back to his mama house. He don't have to stay with y'all. Okay. Number three, and this is not something you should do, but it's really something you should ask yourself. Why did he need to leave his mama house and come to y'all's house? I say that because if he's lost his job and he now can't make ends meet, you can stay with your mama for free. You know, if you stand with somebody else, eventually you become a financial burden. You're not really ever going to be so burdensome to your own mama that she's not going to, your mama not going to kick you out on the street, right? It's like if Harrison lost his job, Harrison can come stay as long as he wants. Now I may make him pay a bill or two eventually, but not kicking him out. So why is it that he had to leave his mama's house to come to y'all's house? Because to me, it seems like one, one crutch to another crutch. So you should be leaving somebody's house to go to your own place, not just hopping from one couch to another couch. Okay. So I have a problem with him leaving his mama's house to come to y'all's house and then to come to married people's houses. Okay. All right. Now you can come and crash because you come into Atlanta on the weekend. All right. You're coming to a conference. That's a week. You can crash in my house for a week, but come in the crash for prolonged periods of time is an absolute no for me. Okay. So, you know, you have to ask, you know, your male friend is coming here. I can't walk around my house naked because he there, you know, I can't have certain people over my house because my furniture ruined. We got to, you know, uh, you know, married people, it's, it's, we got to stick to time limits on this. And I would, unless it's family, not really let a whole bunch of people, uh, into your space. That's, you know, I would not now, I've done this before with really, really close friends, but this man is an alcoholic. I don't know if you have kids at your house or not, but when people have drug and alcohol problems, you know, coupled by health problems, it can be a lot. You know, he's dealing with alcoholism plus obesity and issues with mobility. That's a lot. And you should not be the person that's checking on him, wondering if he's going to be alive or not, because he could be on an episode of my 600 pound life and not wake up. So um, I'm going to have my husband talk to the friend and get the friend together. I agree, Nicole. So I took the the road of why couldn't you live with your mother? But the way that, that Jamie worded this letter, it made it sound like his mother was either also suffering with alcoholism or was enabling his alcoholism. So I don't know that either one of them is the case, but that's the assumption that I took from the letter because you didn't tell us. So we got to make some assumptions, right? With that being said... If his mother is enabling him, I don't think that he should move back to his mother's house. If his mother is also suffering with alcoholism, I also don't think that he should move back to his mother's house. However, I don't think he really needs to live with you either. Maybe suggest an outpatient treatment facility. There are there are a number of other things that um, we can do to assist Mike without having it be compromising to your life, right? At this point, the amount of money that you're spending on repairs, you could have helped Mike get his own place, right? But also, I want you to be mindful of this. 
are you, and you said that you're a therapist, right? I don't know what kind of therapist you are, but you said that you're a therapist. Are you also, you and your husband, I'm using you all in unison as you, are you also enabling Mike? Because yes, he might not be drinking or suffering with alcoholism to the extent that he was before. Cause you know, once an alcoholic, you're technically always an alcoholic. It's a disease, right? But he might not be struggling with that, that addiction as much, but it appears he's probably struggling with a food addiction. Unless he has some medical issues that you did not share with us. It sounds like he could probably have an addictive kind of personality where he might be struggling with a food addiction. So are we enabling him to continue to be 400 plus pounds? And are we enabling him by continuing to fix the things that his decisions have broken? I'm not saying come down hard on this man because he clearly has a lot that's going on. But maybe we start trying to figure out how can we help him? How can we help Mike lose weight? Yeah, you know, let's just say Mike says that he's going to stay another three months because you need to determine a time. You, he can't, Mike can't just stay indefinitely, right? So like once your husband and Mike have a conversation and they've determined how long Mike is going to stay, let's figure out a plan to help Mike get to the point that Mike needs to get to. It seems that he se- he's pretty amenable to the things that you all are suggesting. Said your husband got him into rehab, like he agreed to go to rehab, then he got him a job. So it seems like he wants to do better. Maybe he just doesn't have that starting point. Maybe he just doesn't have that kind of support. So maybe whatever method that you took to convince him that he needs to go to rehab, maybe you take that same method and try to figure out how we can get Mike to be healthier and to love himself because you said there's some self-loathing, right? We don't want Mike to just be thin and still have still have self-hatred. We want him to be healthy and love himself because Mike is valuable too, even with all of the issues that he's he's facing. He's valuable too. So let's figure out a, a plan of helping Mike rather than continuing to enable him by patchworking the furniture that he's destroying. Why don't we figure out a plan to get Mike to be back to Mike, back to who he was, back to when he loved himself? So, Johnny, what did you learn new this week? So what I learned new is actually from Trent Shelton, and he's a former NFL player. He used to play for the Commanders when they were called the Redskins. And I found him on TikTok randomly. He gave us some some good points. And these are five people that you cannot be friends with. The first one is you can't be friends with someone who wants your life because eventually they will take efforts to ruin it. The second one is you can't be friends with a person that is a terrible person. If they're a bad person, you just going to be guilty by association. So if they're a terrible person, then you are then going to be likely be terrible as well. So don't be friends with the terrible people. Number three, you can't be friends with a person who is jealous of you. Let that part sink in. That, that, part, that thing is hard. You can't be person. There's a difference between admiration and jealousy. Just be mindful. Number four, you cannot be friends with a person who is friends with your enemies. Now, we would like to believe that we don't have enemies, but we all know that there are people who are out here gunning for us, right? And while we might not consider them enemies, they might consider themselves enemies of us. And if your friends are supposed to be your friends, you can't be serving two people at the same time. So if they're friends with your enemies, probably should be friends with someone else. And number five, you can't be friends with a person that talks about their friends behind their back. Because guess what, y'all? 
they're going to be talking about you too. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? Okay, so mine's from unity.com and it's 10 rules for healthy friendships. And I know y'all, oh my God, we got five, now we got 10. These are going to be real quick, okay? Number one, these are for healthy friendships. One, prime time, meaning be intentional about scheduling prime time or time with your friends. Number two, be gentle, meaning relax and be gentle with our words, people. Three, goes hand in hand, avoid aggression. So strive for direct but calm conversations. You're not sleeping with these people, so there ain't no reason to get all passionate. Number four, affirm each other. Be intentional with celebrating your friends' wins, and they should be intentional celebrating your wins. Number five, play together. Go out, have fun, party. Number six, offer help. So show up for your friends. If they're moving, guess who's helping pack? You. If they have an event, guess who's already there? You are. Number seven, be loyal. Don't gossip about them. Actually, you should shut down any gossip about them. Number eight, apologize when you're wrong and forgive. Number number nine, promote equality. So one friend's needs and wants are no more important than yours or another friend's needs and wants. And number 10, privacy and sharing. Don't share things that you shouldn't share and be intentional about what is appropriate to share and what's not appropriate to share. Make sure you have that open dialogue. Listen, girl, don't tell nobody, but leave with that. All right, Janine. So are you ready for the motivational moment? Let's do it. This one comes from Brown Mamas, um, which I like. I follow their uh, their little blog, brownmamas.com. They have some, some, some dope stuff on there. And it says, building solid, deep friendships is not just about finding a friend you can trust. It's actually about being able to trust yourself enough to be the true you at all times, regardless of the friendship's demands. And I love it. I agree. So it's about you, boo. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a Mean Old Lion Media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.